Life Church, and welcome back to our Make a Difference series. This is week four, and I have really enjoyed all of the sermons in this series, and I believe that the Lord has really talked to me, and I hope he has talked to you, and um, it, it is um, what we want to do. We want to make a difference. The theme scripture for our series has been Ephesians chapter 2 and 10, it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. We're different already because of the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God to redeem us, to bring us back to him. But then the last part of that scripture says, and long ago he planned, God planned, God has a plan for your life. The best life you can ever live is the life that God has planned for you, and he planned that we should spend these life, the life that I'm living right now, in helping others. So when we move into this fourth week, this last week, we've talked a lot about how to make a difference in the world, and we've talked about loving where you uh, live, and we've talked about doing what you can do, but But I wanted to end this series really just talking to you about how to really be a difference maker. There has to be a difference in me. I I have to have it start inside of me. I can't remain the same old dead, cold, backslidden, far from God person and really make a difference. There is a difference making difference that can happen in each one of us And so on this last sermon, this is what I'm really going to encourage you. Look into your heart and see what God needs to do to really change you, the difference making in you that then will result in a difference making in the world around us. Um, Christians are to be different. Now, now, there's a lot of people that... um, interpret that difference on how do we be different and some of them choose to uh, express that difference in clothing that's nothing that I see in the scripture some some people choose to um, be different or for the world to see them different in in the way they actually isolate themselves from the world like like uh, different groups that we know of that have just isolated themselves and and that that's, that's not what God wants for us. We are to be different in a way that will make a difference in the world around us. And, and it really starts, if I'm going to do this, it starts with my own make a difference experience. I was reading uh, from the book of 1 Corinthians, and this is a beautiful passage of scripture, chapter 15 through 17. He died for every one of those who receive his new life He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. So there's the, that's a key. When when God does something for us and and when we receive his new life for us, the key is we're no longer living for ourselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. That's really the difference making difference. I'm now living my life for the kingdom of God, living my life for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, 
we thought of Christ merely from the human point, point of view, how differently we know him now. And of course, this is Paul. You remember when he was Saul of Tarsus, he had a completely different view of Christ. He, he was looking at it through human eyes until the moment that God stops him on his way to Tarsus and, and, and uh, I'm sorry, on his way to Damascus and this bright light is shining now and, and, and the Lord is talking to him and, and, and Paul, Saul says, who, who art thou? Who is this talking to me? And 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 then the, the voice comes back. I'm Jesus, the one that you are uh, persecuting, the one that you are trying to destroy. And, and so the mindset of Paul then completely changed. He now thinks of him so differently. Now he is the Christ. He is the Lord of all of his life. And, and, and then Paul goes on to say in verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So Paul had that make a difference moment. He had that conversion. He had that understanding that God had more for him and that God wanted to use him in a different way. And I, I, I want you to have that. I, I think that the, the desire that you have to make a difference, it will, it will fail. It will fall flat. It won't be what it could be if you don't have that difference-making moment in your own life where you're really moving to that place where you're going to do whatever God wants you to do. I, I want to ask you a couple of questions here. I want to ask you, do you need an increased awareness of God's presence in your life? I, I mean, God is here. He's around us. But so many times, the thing that we do is we concentrate on the visible. We concentrate on the mundane, the going through the day, that difference-making moment will help us become more aware of God's presence. I, I want to ask you, if you've been in the church for a while, have, have you left your first love? Do you remember the fire that burned in your heart? The, uh, to, to be a difference-maker, we have to go back and let that fire burn again. Do you hunger for the Word of God? Do you, do you have time to... Uh, to to, to really talk to the Lord and spend time with the Lord? Have, have you let things or people take over your affections from God or, or is there anything that you have withheld from him? I, I pray that in this ser service and in this sermon that today you will just say, I want to have that difference-making experience in my own life. Um, so I pray that you will do that. Now, your campus pastor is coming up in just a minute, and they're going to start reading from 1 Peter, the second chapter. And it's in that chapter that Peter just gives us some plain and straightforward advice on, on how to live the Christian life. This is what the Lord is doing. This is what Peter is doing in his writing. He's challenging us to dare to be different. God bless you. Amen. And before I continue with, with this message, I just want to make sure that everyone has sermon notes. And if you don't have those sermon notes, why don't you raise your hand and our ushers will get those out to you. Uh, we give these out every Sunday. This is something we hand out to, you know, just be a little more intentional about our Sunday services. It's just another way for, again, you to go home. If you take notes, review this this uh, past Sunday sermon and, and just pray and ask God to speak to you. Because, again, we want God to make a difference in our lives. We want everyone to experience that 
difference-making difference. Amen. So as we're handing those out, I'm going to go ahead and continue. Uh, as Pastor mentioned, uh, the Apostle Peter, he challenges us to be different in the scripture that we are reading in 1 Peter chapter 2. And as a matter of fact, Peter is, is a pretty blunt guy. He, he gets straight to the point, right? He, he tells it like it is, and he gives us some great practical spiritual advice. You know, he doesn't really beat around the bush. And, and as we see from the very first scripture that we read, if you're following along, 1 Peter 2, 1 through 9, the first scripture he starts off and he says, so get rid of all evil behavior. He lays the foundation for this chapter right here. Get rid of all evil behavior. You know, he could have just said that and just mic drop, right? Just walked off. He said, get rid of all evil behavior. And then he says, be done with all deceit. Be done with all hypocrisy. Be done with jealousy. Be done with all unkind speech. And I believe he's talking about the way we treat people, you know, whether we deceive people, whether we're hypocritical, whether we're jealous of others, or if we're unkind to others by the way that we speak to them. Amen. And then he says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. And I want to highlight where it says, grow into a full experience of salvation. Now, there are many of us in the house today who can say 100% that you are saved, right? But not everyone can say that they have experienced the fullness of that salvation and everything else it has to offer. And that's what we want for you today as a church. We want you to experience the fullness of that salvation. We don't want you to just be saved, but we want you to be free. Amen. We want you to be living in the fulfillment that God wants for you in your life. And that is how that is serving others. So grow into that full experience of salvation and cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Verse 4, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And then he's speaking to the church. He says, and you are living stones that God is building into his temple and then he says, wait, there's more. You are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Verse 6, as the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. And I want to highlight what it says right there. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. I just want to remind you today or make you aware of the fact that Jesus will never embarrass you. He will never dishonor you. He will never make you, he will never leave you feeling disgraced, right? There's going to be some times where you walk into some unknowns in life and you might feel a, a little uh, skittish. You might feel a little uh, embarrassed, but, but, but let me tell you something, friend, is that his word says he will never leave you and he will never forsake you and he will be with you until the end of the time. Amen. 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 And then verse 7 says, yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble. Why? Because they do not obey God's word. 
And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Them stumbling wasn't part of the plan, but the the fate was planned for them because they stumbled. But you, Peter says, are not like that. He wants to, now he's given us some positive affirmations right here, right? It's like a, it's like a humble sandwich. You have criticism, praise, criticism right there. It's all sandwiched right there. But you are not like that. He says, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. And because of that, as a result of that, you can show others the goodness of God. Amen. For he has called you out of the darkness. And I'm so thankful that he has called us out of darkness. Amen. And into his wonderful light. In verse 9, Peter uses a term that is translated in the King James Version as peculiar. He says, you are a chosen generation, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. There are other versions or translations that use words such as unique. You are a unique people or God's own possession. In other words, what I'm trying to get to you today is that you are different. You are different. Well, well, different how? Well, you are different because you belong to him. You are different because we are made new in him. Amen. We are different because his spirit lives in us. And we are different because we are the salt and the light of this world. We are distinct. Amen. We are different in order to make a difference in this world. And to experience this difference, making difference, we, it, it, to, to grow into maturity in this Christian life, we are going to look at three things and we need to do three things as we see in today's text. And the first is that we need to get into the word. Now, I typically, I typically don't do this, but turn to your neighbor and say, you need to get into the word. Amen. And I'm done for the day. There, there, there was no New Testament at the time Peter wrote this letter. Obviously, he was living in it. But o- over the next 300 years, the books of the New Testament would eventually come together, and the church leaders of that time would eventually recognize the authority of the, of the Gospels, and they would recognize the authority of the writings of Paul and, and Peter and, and, and John, and ultimately the New Testament in its entirety would be complete. And now Peter's words can finally be applied to what he originally wrote and to all of the New Testament. It is the word of God, amen, and it stands forever. So verse 2, Peter says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. In other translations, the phrase, the phrase is long for is used as is the word crave. And it uses those words to describe a strong desire, right? I long for this. I, or, or sometimes we get a craving for some things, right? It is a word, again, that describes strong desire. And Peter, what Peter is trying to say here is that we need to develop a strong desire for the word of God. And I ask you today, what's the best way to do that? Does anyone here know the best way to, to develop that strong desire for the word of God? Well, you, you just read it, right? You read it. And, and the, I've realized the more that I've learned that the more time I spend in the word, the more time I want, the, the more time I want to spend in the word. Amen. Charles Spurgeon said, nobody ever outgrows scripture. You can never outgrow scripture. 
this book, it widens and it deepens with our years. And, and, and I find myself thinking, and it's amazing to me that, that passages that I read and understood and believed and followed when I was a young boy, to this day they continue to speak to me. To this day they hold a place in my heart. And, 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 and even decades later now, you know, on a different level as a, as a father, as a man, as, as, as a husband, as a leader, you know, it, it, whatever season of life you are in, his word is true and his word is relevant. Amen. I, I read the Bible when, when I'm sad. I, I read the Bible when I'm angry, when, when I'm frustrated, uh, when, whenever I'm depressed, even when I'm confused, when there's confusion in my life and, and many other seasons. And, and when I read the word, every time I read the word, I find that it changes my outlook. That it, that it changes the way I see things. It, 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 puts, it puts things in a perspective. It realigns my priorities. Amen? There was another writer by the name of James McCosh, and he said, The book to read is not the one that thinks for you, but, but it's the one that makes you think. And no book in the world equals the Bible for that. How many of you today believe that? Well, I believe that he's right, and I, and I think you can agree with me. You know, reading the Bible causes you to think about your life. Reading the Bible causes you to think about what you're doing or if you're about to do something, if, if wherever you are in life. Reading the Bible causes you to think about where you're going. You know, some of us have strayed along in our walks with God, and when we read it, it kind of just brings us, no, 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 come on. Let's get back to where you need to go. And it realigns us with God's path for our lives. It helps you to live right. Amen. And that's why David wrote in Psalm 119, this is David, the psalmist, saying, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might, so that I might not fail. I have hidden your word in my heart so that whenever a decision, I have to make a big decision in my life, that, that I won't make the, the wrong one. I have hidden your word in my heart so that my priorities are in alignment with yours, God. And then Peter writes about those who don't believe in verse 8. He says, they stumble. Why? Because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. I once read the writings of a pastor, and he wrote, Christ is the great unavoidable. You can't avoid him. You will come to the rock. You either come to him as an elect, precious cornerstone or a living stone, or you come to him as a stumbling stone and a crushing rock of offense. You're either going to build his kingdom or you're going to tear it down. Well, why does he become a rock of judgment? I ask myself. Well, it's because men reject the word. They don't obey the word. And I ask you today, what is the word? Well, the word is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Amen. And to this doom, they were also appointed, is what another translation says, of 1 Peter 2.8. They got exactly what their choices demanded. Their disobedience wasn't destined. Their unbelief wasn't destined or appointed. But their doom is appointed because of their unbelief. The penalty for their sin is appointed because of unbelief. His word says what the wages of sin is death. So to experience the difference-making difference, we have to get into the word. 
It will change you. Not only do we have to get into the word, but we have to obey the word. Amen. It will change you. And it will also help you take the next step, which today is staying connected to Christ. Number two, staying connected to Christ. The difference that I'm talking about is something that we receive from Jesus. Amen. I'm so thankful that he has given us access, free access. And, and Peter challenges us in these scriptures to know who we are in Christ. I know when we're, again, I was talking about teenagers or junior high kids, and you're kind of in the awkward stages of life at that time, right? And, and, you, and, and as men, as a boy, you start to, you know, get some strength. And I remember the first time I was able to start the lawnmower my, for the first time ever, and, and my dad's like, dude, that's like the fifth time you've mowed the lawn this week, but I'm not complaining. It was just because I was so excited I could just get the lawnmower crank, you know, just let's go, one pull, let's go. And I remember just being just so infatuated with the fact that I could do that because I, I was finally strong enough, you know, but, but I, I was confident in my strength, right? And, and that's what we want you to experience is your confidence in Christ, knowing who you are in him, who your, what your identity is in Christ, amen? And so 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5 says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple, he was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. We see here that he faced rejection. Amen. And verse 5 says, You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. What Peter is saying here is that you are a stone, but not only are you a stone, but your place is in God's building. By itself, a stone can't do much good, right? At best, it can probably serve as, as, a, as a paperweight, and that's about it. There's, there's really nothing else I can really think of a good use for a stone. I'm pretty sure some of you can, but we're not going to talk about that today. But with others, you know, it can be a part of a majestic structure. It can be a part of something beautiful. And, and what Peter is saying is that's who you are. You are living stones. Your role is to be a living stone in God's building. You see, Peter's picture here is that God is building a temple, a spiritual a temple, a spiritual house using living stones, Christians, my brothers and sisters in the faith. Those who have come to the ultimate living stone, which is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jesus is first called the living stone. Then we are called living stones. We live because we are connected to him. Amen. Who is the source of life. Peter also calls us a holy priesthood, holy priests. And the Bible teaches the doctrine of, of the priesthood of all believers, which means that we all have equal access to God. Aren't you thankful for that today in this house? That we all have equal access to God. And we, don't, we no longer need a human intermediary in our relationship with God. We can just come, come, come to the throne room. We can walk right in and we can just lay our needs at the Father's feet. Amen. But the opposite of this is to think that we don't need anyone at all in our lives. And I have met some people like that, and it's a sad thing. And, and you've probably heard the song, Me and Jesus Have Our Own Thing Going On. Yes? No? It says, it says we don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. In other words, I don't need a preacher. In other words, I don't need a church. 
I don't need anyone else. I can do this on my own. It's all between me and Jesus. And, and, and I, I, I get it. I may be overstating my case somewhat. It may be a bit of a reach, but, but Peter talks about the priesthood of all believers in the, con- in the context of our role in the church. Yes, we all have equal access to God, and I'm so thankful for that. But it is also important to remember that we all equally belong to one another. He is the vine and we are the branches. There's a theologian by the name of William Barclay, and he, he, he made a very interesting point, and it is that the Latin word for, the, for uh, priest is pontifex, which just means bridge builder. And Barclay says, the priest is the man who builds a bridge for others to come to God. And the Christian has the duty and the privilege of bringing others to the Savior whom he himself has found and loves. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that mission. I want to be one of those who brings others to the Savior who he himself has found and loves. Amen? Peter also says that we are offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He is talking about, as Pastor Kendra mentioned, about the content of our lives. He's talking about our worship. He's talking about our prayers. He's talking about our service to others. All ministry, everything we do, all mercy, who we show compassion to, all compassion, everything is a sacrifice to him. As, 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 I liked, as I've heard it said before, may everything we do be so that he receives the reward of his suffering. Amen. The price he paid for us on that cross is not, was not in vain, and I pray that we don't let it go in vain. I pray that we would live lives that are holy and that are acceptable unto Christ. Amen. That he, again, would receive the reward of his suffering, and that's the best thing we could ever do. Amen. Experiencing the difference that makes a difference requires that you stay connected to Christ, that you know who you are in him. Stop calling yourself a failure. Stop calling yourself a loser. Stop thinking, your, stop thinking as yourself as an underachiever, as a hothead, as someone who can't control their temper, someone who blows a gasket every time they get on 45 or 610 or wherever they merge. Stop thinking as yourself, as disorganized or, or undisciplined or, or lazy and, and every other bad name that you can possibly think of and you may be tempted to pin on yourself, I want to encourage you today to, to give yourself a new label. You are a rock. You are a living stone and we are connected to the living stone. You are a part of God's temple. You are a priest. You are a bridge builder and you belong to God. Amen. Verse 9, he says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation, and you are God's very own possession. As a result, again, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Get into the word. I encourage you. And you know what? 
read an actual Bible, like a paper book Bible. There have been so many times when, when, when I'm watching the girls and it's just the three of us and, and, and Kendra's either at like a discipleship group or has errands to run and I'm at home. And, and there have been so many times when I've been reading my Bible on my phone and they probably think I'm like on social media or playing a game. So something that I do that, that's, that's, that I try to be intentional about is getting my paper back Bible out so that I can see that I'm reading the living word of God. It, it, and I know this is probably silly to you, or you're like, why? But it just, it's just what they see. It's a snapshot you know, that, that they have of us. And they, for, for all they know is I'm on my phone 24-7. But when you have that Bible, it just, I don't know. It just, you, can, you, can, you can use that if you want, but I just something that I just felt led to share with you. So get into the Word. Stay connected to Christ and, and know who you are in Him. Third, to experience the difference that makes a difference, we have to keep a safe distance from danger. And, and, and what I'm referring to here is the ultimate danger that we know as sin. And Peter tells us how to keep a safe distance from sin. He, he tells us to keep a big distance from those sinful desires that we are all, we, we naturally, you know, you don't teach a baby how to be bad. I mean, they just, it naturally comes to them, right? We are all born into sin. No babies, don't, you know, babies, they, they talk, you know, whenever your kid learns how to talk, I mean, they, they, they uh, the first thing they do is say no, or, or, or they talk back. I'm like, whoa, where'd you learn how to talk back? <laughs> yeah, I know it wasn't for me, and it wasn't for my wife either. So who'd you learn that from? So, but, 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 but Peter tells us to, to be vigilant, right, to keep a, a big distance from that sinful desire. And, and in verses 11 and 12, he says, Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, because that's what we are, this world is not our home, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. I think that's what I'm going to have to start calling people, are you? unbelieving neighbor. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Notice here that Peter uses the word desires. Have you ever struggled with the sinful desires? My question to you today. And maybe it's something that you would never do, but, but desire to do it just won't leave you alone. For example, there are people who would never commit sexual sins, but they are never far from the thought of it. Or, or there are people who would never seek revenge, but, but yet they rehearse in their thoughts again and again, day after day, what they ought to say or what they ought to do to that person who offended him. I know that there are people who would never commit murder, but yet they say or, or think to themselves, man, if I could just get my hands on that person, right? Even though these acts might not ever be committed, the desire alone to commit the sin is enough to destroy your spiritual life. What are you harboring in your heart? What are you harboring in your spirit and in your mind? And, and, and sinful desire wages war against your soul. And if you give desire free reign, it can take you out of the battle. We have to remind ourselves that there are certain things we can't afford to even think about. Because sinful thoughts fan the flame of sinful desires, and in turn, sinful desires wage war against the soul. 
Peter says that we are to view ourselves as aliens and strangers or temporary residents and strangers. Our attitude is to be like the old hymn, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. How many of you have ever visited a foreign country or, or, or just a, a state that you've never been to? Right, it's it's um, it's it's impossible for us to visit a new place and 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 not feel a little out of place, right? I I know myself if I go to just a, a Walmart, a different Walmart across town, I'm like, whoa, this isn't where the groceries should be, or this isn't where you know everything's has a different layout, right? And we never forget that that we are foreigners and that there is another place that we call home, and it's the same for us as believers. You know the difference between this world and, and our home in heaven, the differences are great. You know, the world tells us to believe one thing, but God tells us to believe another. You know, this world wants us and would have us to think one way, but, but God is telling us to think his way. The, you know, the world would have us live a certain way according to their standards and the way they think that we should live, but, but God is telling us to live his way, amen? He's telling us to avoid danger. He's telling us to not get too comfortable with this world's way of doing things. Amen. So at this moment, I'd like to invite the worship team up. I'd like to ask you to stand with me if you're able to in this place. And I'd like to invite the prayer team up to the front. It's an unfortunate fact of life that that if you seek to live for God... There will be times when you are accused of either doing the wrong thing. Oh, they're crazy. They're crazy. What are they doing? What are you doing? Why are you, why are you making these big life changes? You're crazy. You don't know what you're doing. Or, or, or you'll get accused of doing the right things for the wrong reasons. Amen. When you remain true to your convictions, you will be accused of being narrow-minded. And I know that there are several of you in this house today who have been accused of being narrow-minded. When you are confident in God's direction for your life, you can get accused of being arrogant when you are confident in who you are in him. When you, when you refuse to back down in the face of opposition, you'll be accused of being stubborn. When you experience God's blessing in your life, how many of you have ever experienced the blessing of God in your life? You'll be accused of doing it all for your own glory, but we know that it's all for him. Amen. They will accuse you of doing wrong. The world will accuse you of doing wrong. But I challenge you to live in such a way where their accusations don't have any strongholds over your life, where where what they say does not have any power over the way that you live your life for Christ. Amen. I believe and I just want to encourage you today and say that we are to be different and we are to be different in such a way that we make a difference in the world. Now I'm going to hand it over to our worship team to lead us into a time of prayer and of worship. But before we do, I believe that, that there are people here today that you have lived a life where you have made a difference before. And, and maybe you feel like you're stuck. Maybe you feel like you don't, what, what else is left for me? But but God always has a next step for you. There's always another season of, of, of life that God has in store for you. There's always another level that God wants you to have access to. 
And if you're in here today and you're not sure where to start, you have the perfect opportunity right now. You know, a lot of times we say, oh, well, once I get my life in order, once all this happens, why don't you just start right here where you are and let God meet you where you are, whatever season of life you are in. And you know what? If everyone can just close your eyes, if you can bow your heads, I want to pray for you. And after I'm done praying for you, I'm going to hand it over to the to the worship team. And, and I just encourage you to come up for prayer. So Father, right now, I thank you for everyone here today. I thank you that you have called us to be partners with you on this mission. It is a co, it is the great co-mission. I pray, Lord, that if, that if there's anyone here who hungers to make a difference, that Father, that you would make yourself known to them as the bread of life today in this house. If someone thirsts, to make a difference, that you would make yourself known to them as the well that will never run dry. I pray that we would get into the word and, and that our hunger, our craving, our, our longing for the word would increase more and more every day. That if anyone here today is struggling with their identity or their confidence in you, I pray, God, that we would be reminded that we are a royal priesthood that we are a chosen people, that we are a peculiar people. We are living stones and you are the living stone, the one from which all life flows, Jesus. And lastly, I pray that we would keep from danger, that our spiritual eyes would be open to see that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, that we would stay vigilant for ourselves for our homes, for our church, for the city. God, you are moving upon the hearts of those in this house today, God. And I pray that we would take this with us wherever we go. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Can everyone say it's in Jesus' name? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.